In this video, we're going over the category herbs that regulate the chi. First, we'll talk about what it means to regulate chi. Then we'll go over the individual herbs in this category. And finally, we'll just introduce a few formulas where these herbs pop up. If you want to follow along, you can download the slides or download the flashcards. There are links to those below. And there you'll also find a practice test you can take afterwards. And this video is brought to you by students like you. To everyone who supports the YouTube channel and the website tcmstudy.net, thank you. If you've been getting value out of these videos and would like to give something back, consider joining the Patreon or making a one-time donation through Buy Me A Coffee. There are links to those below, but let's go ahead and get into herbs that regulate the chi. So these are herbs that regulate the chi. What do we mean by regulating chi? Well, here this means two things. Number one, we want to make sure that the chi is moving, as in it's not stagnant. And number two, we want to make sure that the chi is moving in the proper direction. So if you remember in fundamentals, different organ systems have different directions associated with them. The lung has a function of depurative downbearing. When we breathe in the chi of the air, the lung is supposed to send that chi downwards. In the middle jowl, the spleen has an upward direction. It raises the clear, but the stomach has a downward direction. It's supposed to downbear food into the small intestine because that's the direction of digestion. For the liver, the liver generally moves upward, but it's also supposed to spread outwards, spreading chi into the limbs. Remember that the liver belongs to the wood phase, and when we say wood, we actually mean a tree. So trees grow upwards, but they also spread their branches outwards, and that's the direction of the liver. So there are certain situations when the chi can start moving in the opposite direction that it's supposed to, and we call that rebellious chi. So if the lung chi moves upwards instead of downwards, that presents as cough. If the stomach chi rebels upwards instead of moving downwards, we might see nausea, vomiting, hiccup, or belching. And the liver is a little bit weird because the liver already has an upward direction. And if anything, the liver moves upwards too much. And we call that liver yang rising or hyperactive ascent of liver yang. But what can happen is the liver fails in its function of free coursing and it no longer spreads the chi outward. So we have like cold hands and feet because the liver is not spreading outwards. We might call that rebellion or counterflow. But that's what we're dealing with in this category. To put it another way, these herbs treat two conditions. They treat chi stagnation and rebellious chi. And these two kind of go together. If the chi stagnates, it might eventually start to rebel upwards or move in the opposite direction. Like think about a toilet that gets clogged or a sink that the drain, get, the drain pipe gets clogged. The actual clog would be the stagnation. The water can no longer move. But if you keep trying to flush water down there, it's eventually going to start to come back up. And so the same thing happens like if the chi gets stuck in the middle jowl, it will eventually start rebelling back upwards. So when we get into our slides, we can kind of recap everything that we just said. And if you're a little bit nerdy and you like to know the Chinese terms for things, here they are. So when we talk about regulating qi, the conditions we're treating are qi zhi, qi stagnation, as in the qi is not moving, or qi ni, rebellious qi or counterflow qi, as in the qi is moving in the opposite direction that it's supposed to. 
And the way we treat this is we use herbs that regulate qi to regulate the qi or rectify the qi. And this means one or two things. We can move the qi, xing qi, or we can descend the qi or downbear the qi, jiang qi. So these are some of the terms we'll see pop up when we start talking about the actions of these herbs. If we wanted to get a little bit deeper and maybe a little bit more nerdy, when we talk about the qi not moving, we can say qi zhir as in qi stagnation, but another term we might see pop up is qi yu, which Wiseman translates as qi depression or depressed liver qi, or Bensky uses the term qi constraint. And this is just referring to a specific type of stagnation that's due to the liver failing in its function of free coursing or failing in its function of dredging and draining the channels. So this is a type of qi stagnation that's a little bit more systemic or all over the body. So if I had elbow pain, for example, I might say that there's qi stagnation in the yang ming channel, and that would be qi zhir or qi stagnation. But when you say qi yu, we're really talking more like the qi of the entire body becomes sluggish, and that's due to the liver not doing its job. So I just like to bring this up because sometimes people will ask, what's the difference between qi constraint and qi stagnation? Or they'll see this Wiseman term and they'll be like, what do we mean by depressed qi? Does that mean that the qi is sad and it can't get out of bed and get moving in the morning? And it's like, no, when we say depressed qi, we mean that the qi is pressed down, it's constrained, and that's because the liver is not doing its job properly. So that's another term we might see pop up. When we're treating this uh, depressed qi or qi constraint, we usually say we coarse the qi, we coarse liver qi, or we relieve constraint. And when we ta start talking about treatment, we can say that we move the qi or descend the qi, or another thing we might see is pu qi, to break the qi, or break up qi stagnation. And really, this is kind of the same as moving qi. It's just much stronger in its action. So a lot of times I think about the Kool-Aid man bursting through a brick wall and shouting, oh, yeah. That's kind of the mental image I have for breaking the qi. So it's the same as moving qi. It's just much more forceful, much stronger in action. So that's another term we might see pop up as we go through these herbs. So what kind of qi can we regulate? Well, basically the ones that we already talked about. We can regulate qi in the middle jowl for spleen-stomach qi stagnation or rebellious qi. We can regulate liver qi for liver qi stagnation, or we can regulate the lung qi. So we talk about regulating qi in the middle jowl. Uh, if we have middle jowl qi stagnation, we might see things like abdominal fullness, distension, and pain. That All that stuff is stuck there, so you feel distension and pain. We can have gas and bloating which is kind of the same as distension, like all this stuff is stuck there, it starts fermenting, you get bloated and feel distended. We can have vomiting, nausea, and belching. When this qi gets stuck, it might start to rebel back upwards, and so vomiting, nausea, belching, acid reflux, these are all examples of things moving in the, in the opposite direction. We can also have loss of appetite. If all this stuff is stuck here, the, the spleen can't do its job of movement and transformation, so you don't feel hungry. And then we say constipation or diarrhea. And it's kind of like these are two opposite things. How can it be both? 
It kind of depends. Sometimes if the chi is stuck and things aren't moving, then you'll feel stuck and feel constipated. But sometimes when things get stuck in the middle jiao, that dampness can start forming and then you might have diarrhea. So with middle jiao chi stagnation, it can go either way, depending. You can have constipation or diarrhea. When we talk about regulating liver chi, for liver chi stagnation, we can see things like headache, uh, rib side pain or a stifling sensation in the chest because the liver channel goes to the chest and rib sides. We can have depression or irritability that the liver, uh, the liver is about anger. And so you can think about anger, irritability, or depressed emotions. This can, this can kind of go both ways that if the liver chi is stagnant, you can have emotional issues, but also Emotional issues can cause liver chi stagnation, so it kind of goes both ways, kind of chicken and an egg thing. And then also very common to see irregular menses uh, or breast tenderness because the liver channel goes to the lower jowl and has a lot to do with menstruation, but also the liver channel goes to the breast. So this is a very common sign for liver chi stagnation. So basically, if you have a patient with a lot of sharp stabbing pain and clots, that might be more indicative of blood stasis, where if you have more uh, like cramping pain, diffuse pain, especially breast tenderness, that might point more towards liver chi stagnation. A lot of times people end up with both. We talk about lung chi stagnation. We can say cough, wheezing, or shortness of breath. Honestly, I think the word, the term lung chi stagnation is a little bit weird. It's not something we use a lot. Oftentimes we'll say something like non-diffusion of lung chi. And what we mean there is it's not like the lung chi itself gets stuck. Usually there's some other pathogen in there. So we have like a wind-cold pathogen gets into the lung and it blocks the diffusion of lung chi. And so the lung can't spread the chi or performance action of depurative downbearing. Or we have phlegm in the lung and that phlegm blocks the diffusion of lung chi. And so the lungs, the chi starts rebelling back upward. So we usually... I feel like that's a more common term you might see is non-diffusion of lung chi or non-dissemination of lung chi. And it turns out this one we don't really address in this category. Like we said, we have a separate category of herbs that relieve coughing and wheezing. And those were the herbs that were dealing with uh, non-diffusion of lung chi or rebellious lung chi. So those are just in a separate category. In this category, we're more dealing with the first two. So either middle jowl chi stagnation or liver chi stagnation. And this is just a repeat of that slide, but I wanted to remind myself to mention that, yeah, we say herbs in this category tend to be warm, accurate, and drying, so be careful about that. But also, Herbs in this category may relieve pain by moving qi. So maybe you've heard of this saying in Chinese, butong zutong, tong zutong, which means where there's lack of free flow, there's pain. Where there's pain, there's lack of free flow. And so it's kind of like stagnation equals pain. So it's very common that if we have qi stagnation, that we'll have some sort of pain like headache, ribside pain, abdominal pain. And so by moving the chi, by relieving or breaking up that stagnation, that will alleviate the pain. So that's something we'll also see in this category is many of these herbs have a pain relieving action as well because they move the chi. 
So when we look at the properties of the herbs in terms of taste, uh, these herbs can be acrid in taste because the acrid flavor moves and disperses. They can be aromatic, especially the ones that are good for the middle jowl tend to be aromatic in nature. And so we can think that it's awakening the spleen so it can perform its function of movement and transformation. Remember, movement is part of the spleen as well, so they might be aromatic. And then some of the herbs are also bitter, not necessarily because they clear heat or dry dampness, but just remember the bitter flavor has a downward direction. And so that's what we're using to treat the rebellious cheat. I think we saw the same thing in the category herbs that relieve coughing and wheezing. Like Xingren has a bitter flavor because it redirects qi downward to treat that rebellious qi. So those are the ones we might see. Acrid, aromatic if it goes to the middle jowl, and bitter if we're dealing with rebellious qi. In terms of temperature, many of these herbs are warm in temperature, but some of them are not. So that's something that we'll want to pay attention to, that most of them are warm in temperature, but we do have a few that are cool or cold in temperature, and that makes them stand out. So that's something we'll want to pay attention to. In terms of entering channels, these either enter the spleen and stomach channels if they're dealing with middle jowl chi stagnation, or they enter the liver gallbladder channels if we're dealing with liver chi stagnation. So whichever, whichever type of chi we're regulating, those are the channels that we enter. The action of these herbs is they regulate or rectify qi for qi stagnation or rebellious qi. Hopefully that makes sense by now. Cautions and contraindications we want to pay, pay attention to. Number one, these herbs are very warm, acrid, and drying, so they may cause heat signs or damage the yin. Basically, they're warm, so if you give someone too much, they might start developing heat. They tend to, the aromatic acrid tends to be drying, so be careful if the patient is already has yin deficiency or if they're or if you're using these long term you might inadvertently dry the patient out the other thing is these herbs disperse qi so use caution in cases of deficiency so basically we're using the acrid flavor to move and disperse stagnation but we have to be careful that we don't end up dispersing the upright qi sometimes an analogy we would use sometimes is like Think about when you move chi, it's like revving the engine on a car. So you don't want to rev the engine if you don't have enough oil. You'll actually cause damage. And so that's kind of the same thing here. If we try to strongly move the chi when the person doesn't have enough chi to begin with, that's going to cause problems. You might stir up wind or uh, deplete the chi even more. So that's another thing we have to be careful about is with chi uh, deficiency. So especially... Um, when you talk about the herbs that break the chi, that's something we'll want to be careful of. Another one we should mention here is some of these herbs we have to use caution in cases of pregnancy. That they're not outright contraindicated, but some of the er these herbs, because they're treating rebellious chi, they have a strong downward direction. So you need to use caution in cases of pregnancy. So here we have our list of herbs. It looks kind of long, but some of these are actually kind of related, so we can go through them quickly. And then there are a couple more not listed here that we'll talk about the end. But anyway, our first herb here is Chen P. Citri Reticulati Pericarpium. Chen P. Citri Reticulati Pericarpium. And this is aged tangerine peel. So the skin of a tangerine that we dry out and let it age. I think it gets more potent as we let it age. But anyway, Chen Pi, 
regulates middle jowl chi and strengthens the spleen for all of those things we talked about like abdominal fullness, distension and pain, gas and bloating, but Chen Pi is especially useful for nausea and vomiting. So when that chi gets stuck in the middle jowl and starts to rebel back upwards, we can use Chen Pi. Notice that Chen Pi is acrid in flavor to disperse the chi, but it also has a bitterness to send things downward to deal with that rebellious chi. Besides regulating the chi, Chen Pi also dries dampness and transforms phlegm. So again, that bitter flavor has a drying quality to it. So this could be phlegm in the lung, so it's good for cough due to phlegm damp, or this could be dampness in the middle jowls and dampness obstructing the spleen and stomach for abdominal distension, loss of appetite, loose stools, and a thick, greasy coat. So Chen Pi, it turns out, is a really good all-around herb for the spleen. Remember, we said that the spleen has a function of movement and transformation. So Chen Pi is taking care of both of these things. It's strengthening the spleen, it's helping to move the qi, and it's helping to transform the dampness. We also say that the spleen is the source of phlegm, and the lung is the house or the container of phlegm. And it turns out that Chen Pi goes to both of those areas to treat the phlegm. So Chen Pi is also a really good phlegm herb as well. We look at these notes at the bottom. Uh, first, this one is kind of funny. It says, in practice, Chen Pi's dosage is usually limited to three to six grams due to its uh, unpleasant taste. That was a note from my Chinese teacher. I'm not sure if that's really true, but I think it's kind of funny because to Americans, all Chinese herbs have an unpleasant taste. So it's not like using a, a large dosage of Chen Pi. I don't think that's going to make a difference to the American palate. I think no matter what you use, uh, the patient is always going to say your herbs taste bad, but that's kind of a funny note, so I left it in there. Then we also say Chen, Bi, Chen Pi can be used to prevent stagnation from certain tonifying herbs that are very sticky and cloying. So I think we talked about this before when we, ta when we talked about Sha Ren, cardamom, or Amomi fructus. That sometimes when, you, when we use tonifying herbs, they're very sweet and they can be sticky and cloying and they can very easily cause stagnation in the middle jowl. So sometimes as a preventative measure, we might use certain herbs like Sha Ren or Chen Pi, which move the qi and prevent stagnation. Or we can say they help digest those herbs. But it's also like if we're trying to tonify chi, we don't just want to tonify the chi and have it uh, sit there. Once we tonify the chi, we want to make sure that it's moving. So we might er use herbs like Chen Pi to make sure that it keeps moving. So that's Chen Pi. The name means aged peel. Next is Ju Hong Citri Reticulati Exocarpium Rubrum. Ju Hong, Citri Reticulati Exocarpium Rubrum. This is red tangerine peel. This is specifically the outer layer of the tangerine. So with Chen Pi, when we looked at that picture, you can see there's the peel, but then when you flip it over, there's that white stuff in there too, because it's the entire peel. With Ju Hong, it's just that outer layer, the red part, without that white stuff in the middle. Uh, you can maybe think that Exocarpium refers to the outer layer, and rubrum means red. So Juhong is pretty much the same as Chen Pi, it's just that it's warmer and drier in nature. So um, 
I feel like this is used regionally. It's like in certain parts of eastern China and in Sichuan, they, they might be more likely to use Juhong. Um, but I think in most of our formulas, we tend to just use the Chen Pi version of things. There are some formulas where the original ingredients will say use Juhong, but then in the footnote, it will just say substitute Chen Pi. So I think nowadays, you might see Juhong in your clinic, but when it comes to formulas, we pretty much always use Chen Pi. But just the difference between these two, they're both from tangerine, but Juhong is the outer red layer, and it's warmer and drier and better at transforming dampness and phlegm than Chen Pi, where Chen Pi might be a little bit more moderate. So that's Juhong. The name means tangerine red. After that is Qing Pi, Citri Reticulati Veride Pericarpium. Qing P, Citri Reticulati Veride Pericarpium. This is green tangerine peel or an unripe tangerine before it turns orange or red. It's green. And so maybe you can think that the Latin name Veride means green like uh, in, uh, in Spanish or French. Um, Verde. Trying to remember what it is in in Spanish. Anyway, very day. Sounds like green, so this is green tangerine peel. And that's important to know because remember, green is the color of wood, green is the color of the liver, and Qing Pi strongly moves liver qi. Uh, we can say, when we say strongly moves, we can say it breaks the qi. So it's that very strong movement of moving liver qi. So with Chen Pi, more about the middle jiao, the spleen and stomach. Qing pi, because it's green in color, is definitely used for liver qi stagnation. So this could be for pain and distension in the chest, rib size, and breast, because that's where the liver channel goes to the rib size and chest, or it can be used for Shan disorder, which is a hernia-type pain. So think about the liver channel also goes to the inguinal area and lower abdomen as well. And then Qing Pi, like we said, it, because it breaks the Qi, that's a very strong action. Sometimes it can be too strong. So this can be uh, too warm, too drying, or its action of moving the Qi can almost be too strong. So we have to be careful and monitor that closely. We also say that Qing Pi resolves stagnation and clumps, and this is part of its breaking the Qi, its strong movement. So it's for severe food stagnation. It can break through that and push it through, or for masses and nodules. This is something we'll talk about a little bit more in the uh, regulate blood category, that Qi and blood stagnation can cause certain nodules to form, especially in the abdomen, and so Qing Pi can because it breaks the chi, it can break up those uh, clumps and masses. So that's another action of Qing Pi, referring to its strong action of breaking the chi. And so Qing Pi, the name means green peel. Qing is a color that means green. So here I would think that Qing means green. This is green peel. Green is the color of the liver. Hopefully that can help you remember that Qing Pi is for liver qi stagnation, and it strongly breaks up the qi stagnation. After that is jur shur aranti fructus immaturus. Jur shur aranti fructus immaturus, and this is unripe bitter orange. So you can see so far we're dealing with a lot of citrusy things like oranges and tangerines. So this is the unripe bitter orange, and so this is another one that it breaks the qi and reduces accumulation. So this moves qi, but it's very strong in its action of moving qi. And we specifically say this one moves the qi downward in direction. 
So remember, this is bitter orange. It's obviously bitter in flavor, and the bitter flavor moves things downward. So Dershur moves downward in direction for constipation. It's actually um, it's common that we might combine Dershur with certain purgative herbs. So like Dahuang and Dershur are often used together to treat constipation because they both have a, a strong downward action and move things and even break up the chi. So this can, is also for epigastric or abdominal pain or food accumulation because it's moving things downward. Dershur also transforms phlegm, so kind of a common theme here with our citrusy things for chest and epigastric distension due to phlegm obstruction in the chest. And then kind of a modern application is we can say that Dershur can raise low blood pressure and they've done certain studies on this in China, and um, I think they only use this in IV form, that if a person had low blood pressure, uh, Dershur could raise it, which is kind of, kind of interesting. I'm not sure we would ever use that here in America. Um, but also I think in, uh, there's some modern studies that say it's good for angina pain and things like that, part of opening up the chest. So that's Dershur. We should also know that Dershur, because it has that strong downward direction, it's not, it doesn't just move the chi, it breaks the chi and it moves downward. That means we should use caution during pregnancy, that we don't want so much downward motion that it moves the baby right out. So that's Dershur, Aranti fructus immaturus, which is unripe bitter orange. Next we have Dershur, Aranti fructus. Dershur, Aranti fructus. And this is ripe bitter orange. Or if it's not ripe, it's, it's at least more ripe than Dershur. So Dershur, it's, it's more ripe. So it basically does the, the same things as Dershur. It's just not as strong in its action. So we still say it regulates middle jiaoqi, but it's a little bit more mild because because it's not the unripe version, it's not quite as bitter, so it's not quite as strong as it, in its actions. But it, we also do say it expands the chest. That was something we said about Dershur and transforming phlegm and it expands the chest. We might say that Dershur is even better at expanding the chest. And then it can also be used for a cough, abdominal distension, and constipation by regulating the chi and moving downward because it's still bitter in flavor. So here we say Jirka is similar to Jirshur, but it's much milder and safer to use. So the action isn't quite as drastic. We don't say it breaks up the chi the same way that Jirshur does. But even though it's more mild and safer to use, uh, according to Bensky, we should still use caution in cases, uh, caution for pregnancy. So that's Jirshur and Jirka. So the way I remember these is one, Jirshur, in the Latin name, it says immaturus, so that means it's not yet ripe, it's not yet matured, and so that means it's more bitter in flavor, so it's stronger. Uh, but main difference there is Jirshur is stronger, but we could also say, if we wanted to make a difference, that some commentator will say that Jirka works more on the upper body, so it's better for expanding the chest, whereas Jirshur works lower down, so it's better for things like constipation. So that's maybe one thing you can think of. But really, I would think that Dershur has an S in it. That means it's stronger in its action. And also, Dershur is the one that, because of its strong downward direction, it's good for constipation. So Dershur makes you poop. So that's Dershur versus Dershur, bitter orange and unripe bitter orange. Next is 
da fu pi arecai pericarpium. Da fu pi arecai pericarpium. And this is betel nut husk. That later we'll learn in herb bing long, which is the betel nut. It's the thing inside here. Da fu pi is the husk around that nut. Um, so arecai pericarpium. So da fu pi moves middle jiao qi, and again directs qi downward in terms of its movement. It has a downward direction, and it's good for gas and bloating, or especially incomplete bowel movements. And so this is a thing that sometimes we ask our patients when we do go through the 10 questions and talk about stool. Sometimes um, people will say they have incomplete bowel movements, as in they, they go to the bathroom, but it feels like not everything came out, like there's still something in there and they just can't get it out. So we might use something like dafu pi to create movement, to create downward movement in that situation. And then we also say that dafu pi promotes urination, especially for super, superficial edema or edema under the skin. So we can say dafu pi makes you pee. Or this is a kind of a common thing we've seen before where this is the pee means skin or peel or bark. So this is the outer layer, the outer husk of that betel nut. Since it's the skin of that nut, it's good for the uh, skin of your body or edema under the skin. So I think we've seen that pop up before with things like fooling versus fooling pee is a skin of fooling. So it's good for edema under the skin. Song by pee is a skin of mulberry root. So it's the skin of, of mulberry. So it's good for edema under the skin. Shengjong pee uh, is the skin of ginger. So it's good for edema under the skin. So here we have another one that dafu pee makes you pee. It's the skin of Bing Long, so it's good for edema under the skin. And this is another one that we say it has that downward direction, so we need to use caution during pregnancy. Next is Xiang Fu Saipiri Rhizoma. Xiang Fu Saipiri Rhizoma. This is an important one. Xiang Fu, first of all, regulates liver qi, especially for pain in the rib sides or pain in the abdomen. But also the specialty of Xiang Fu is that it regulates menstruation and alleviates pain. Now really I would say that this function falls under the category of regulating liver qi because the liver channel goes to the lower jowl, the liver has something to do with menstruation, so it makes sense that by regulating liver qi we would regulate menstruation and alleviate pain. But it turns out that Xiang Fu is so good at this, its action is so famous, we list it as a separate function. So Xiang Fu regulates menstruation and alleviates pain for irregular menses, painful menses, or breast distension. I think we talked about this before, that the liver channel goes to the lower jowl, but it also goes to the rib sides and goes to the breasts. So this would be kind of a, a very common sign of liver chi stagnation in women before the period if they feel some breast tenderness. That might be a sign that they're, they have some liver chi stagnation. And this is, uh, Xiang Fu is very famously used for women's health conditions or OBGYN conditions. So I think we could definitely say that's the specialty of Xiang Fu. I guess the other thing that makes it stand out here is we have this note down here that um, most of the herbs in this category are warm in temperature, but Xiang Fu is actually neutral or even slightly cool in temperature. And so that's another thing that makes it stand out. Number one, because liver chi stagnation often leads to heat. So it's nice that we have an herb that's 
neutral or coolant temperature, but also that means it's safer for long-term use. So that with some of those other herbs like ching pea, we might have to worry that it's too warm, too drying over time. It might uh, damage yin or things like that. Whereas xiang fu, because it's neutral in temperature, we can, we can use it a little bit more long-term. And then I also have a note down here that even though it's used for uh, menstruation problems and pain, Xiang Fu does not move blood. And I think this is just some, something that people tend to get confused about when they say, when they see regulates menstruation and alleviates pain. They might think of blood and they might think that Xiang Fu also has an action of invigorating blood. And it turns out, no, it does not. Xiang Fu only moves qi, it does not move blood. And I think it's just I had a teacher who very often asked this question and so many students got it wrong that I started very specifically pointing out that Xiang Fu does not, in fact, move blood. It does treat menstruation problems, but only by moving qi. So that's Xiang Fu. This is a very commonly used one, a very important one to know. So remember that Xiang Fu moves liver qi. Its specialty is in treating women's health conditions or OBGYN conditions, and it's neutral in temperature. So that's those are the things that make xiang fu stick out. Mu xiang oaklandii radix. Mu xiang oaklandii radix. Uh, mu xiang regulates middle jiao qi and stops Pain. So that's the specialty of this one. If we want to look for something that stands out, Mu Xiang uh, goes to the middle jiao and is especially useful for stopping pain. So this is for abdominal di distension and pain due to qi stagnation. When it comes to regulating qi, we can also say that it regulates liver qi or liver gallbladder qi as well. And we will see this pop up in a few a few formulas where it's more of a liver qi thing. But I think it tends to be that the liver qi is overacting on the spleen. Basically, I tend to think of mu xiang more as a spleen stomach herb, but it does have this action of also regulating liver qi as well. And that's and then. Um, so in regulating liver qi, it's good for ribside pain and soreness. But then something that's also interesting here is we also see it moves large intestine qi stagnation, which is not something we really talked about or something we see very often. So it moves large intestine qi stagnation for stagnation in the large intestine, transforming into damp heat. And so this would be like diarrhea, dysentery, and tenesmus. Tenesmus... Um, I had one teacher who described tenesmus as like the dry heaves of the anus, which is kind of a funny mental image. But um, tenesmus, it's a diarrhea. It's often painful diarrhea. And then we say there's uh, this sensation that uh, even after you empty the bowels, you feel like you have to urgently go again right away, even if there there might not be anything there. But so it's like you... Uh, it's diarrhea and you go and then you immediately feel like you have to go again. So that's tenesmus. But kind of the idea here is remember when, when we talked about constipation, one of the patterns of constipation is if qi stagnates, then the stool can't move through the large intestine. So if qi stagnates, the stool's not moving, that can eventually uh, fester into damp heat in the large intestine and cause things like diarrhea and dysentery. So this is kind of an interesting action here that it also moves qi through the large intestine as well. If you have things like constipation due to qi stagnation or more likely it's transforming into damp heat. So that's Mu Xiang, but overall I would think of this more as a spleen stomach herb. 
We also say Mushang is very warm and very drying. So this is another one that we might want to use caution in for patients with yin deficiency or for using it over a long period of time. We want to make sure that we don't dry out the patient too much. And then Mushang is also used to prevent stagnation for tonifying herbs. So I think these are the main ones that we've learned so far for uh, that we see used to prevent uh, stagnation with sticky and cloying herbs. We had sha ren, amomi fructus, the cardamom seed. We had chen pi, aged tangerine peel, and now we have mu xiang, oaklandia radix. Um, those are the very common ones we add to formulas to prevent stagnation from tonifying herbs, either tonifying qi or tonifying blood. Those can be sticky and cloying and cause stagnation. So mu xiang and those other herbs will prevent that. Uh, mu xiang, I forgot to put it here, but the name mu xiang means wood fragrance. The word xiang actually means aromatic or fragrant. And so even though we don't list this as aromatic in property, it turns out a lot of times some of our source texts don't actually list things as aromatic in their in their taste and temperature. It would just when it when it discusses the herb, then it would say it's aromatic. So the fact that we don't actually say it's aromatic in the taste and temperatures, we could still say it's aromatic because the word aromatic is in the name. But maybe you can remember uh, mu xiang means wood uh, wood fragrance or tree fragrance. So it's good for moving liver chi and the aromatic thing that can maybe th make you think of the spleen and stomach. But for mu xiang, I would think of regulating middle jiao chi and especially stopping pain. Next is Wu Yao Lindera Radix. Wu Yao Lindera Radix. Wu Yao regulates qi, but it's good for regulating all kinds of qi. So it moves middle jiao qi, it moves liver qi, and it also stops pain. So by moving stagnation, it can relieve pain. But something we should probably know about Wu Yao is besides moving qi, it's also warm in temperature. So we say it warms the interior and warms the channels so it's good for stagnation with cold or stagnation due to cold so when we say it warms the interior and warms the channels we can say it warms the liver channel especially for hernia pain shan disorder or painful menses so like we said the liver channel comes up the leg it goes to the inguinal area and then it goes to the lower jowl so if we have cold stagnating in the liver channel it's very common to have things like painful menses or Hernia pain or Shan disorder is often cold stagnation in the liver channel. So Wu Yao is especially good for that because it's warming the channel and also moving the Qi. We can also say that Wu Yao warms the UB or warms the kidney for urinary frequency or incontinence due to kidney Yang deficiency. So, so, so those are the warming actions. Wu Yao means, uh, Wu means black or dark. I think it actually means like crow or raven. So it's referring to the color of those birds, but we translate it as dark or black. I think it's the same character when we talk about oolong tea as in black tea. Uh, Wu means dark. Yao just means uh, medicinal. So when we talk about Chinese herbs, it's zhong yao. Yao just means herb or medicinal. So wu yao is dark medicinal. I remember that it uh, regulates qi, but it also warms uh, warms the interior, warms the channel, and Wu Yao is especially good for treating Shan disorder or hernia pain. So that's Wu Yao. Next is Qian Xiang, 
Aquilaria lignum resonatum. Chen Xiang Aquilaria lignum resonatum. This is not, I don't, I don't think this is a very commonly used herb, but we should probably know that it regulates middle jiao qi, especially for stagnation due to coldness. So again, this is one that's warm in temperature, so it's good for stagnation due to coldness. And it also stops pain, and it moves downward in direction for hiccuping, belching, and nausea, vomiting. So we say that Chen Shang regulates middle jiao qi, we should say that it specifically moves it downward for the rebellious uh, stomach qi, and it's good for cold or stagnation due to cold. And as part of its warming function, it can also warm the kidney, especially for yang deficiency-related respiratory problems. So this is, not sure if we talked about this before, but this is uh, when you breathe in air, uh, the qi goes into the lung, and the lung is supposed to descend it, but also the kidney is supposed to reach up and grasp it. And so that's what we what we mean when we say um, yang deficiency related respiratory problems. That's when kidney yang is deficient, the kidney can't reach up and grasp the lung qi. So that's something that Chen Xiang is good for. And so notice with uh, Chen Xiang, the dosage is a lot smaller than average. It's 1 to 1.5 grams. And this is one that you can actually take it as a single herb. You can grind it into a powder and just swallow it with warm water. But the dosage is very small. Also, again, the term Xiang means aromatic. Because this one is aromatic in property, this is one that we have to add during the last five minutes of cooking in order to retain its aromatic property. Name Chen Xiang means sinking fragrance. So maybe that can help you remember that sinking means that this one is moving downward to treat things like nausea, vomiting, hiccup, and belching. And the Xiang can let you know that it's aromatic in property. Next is Tan Xiang, Santali Alibi Lignum. Tan Xiang, this is sandalwood. So Tan Xiang also regulates qi and stops pain. It's good for moving middle jiao qi to stop abdominal pain. It also opens the chest to treat chest pain. Honestly, these last two, I'm not sure they're very common herbs, Chen Xiang and Tan Xiang. Tan Xiang, I can't think of any, any formulas that we learn where Tan Xiang is an ingredient. Maybe I'm not remembering well, but um, these aren't really common herbs. So Tan Xiang, if you remember... I might remember regulating middle jiao qi and stopping pain, but also opening the chest makes this one stand out. Dosage is also slightly smaller than average. So that's Chen Xiang and Tan Xiang. And kind of finally is Chuan Lienzi, Tusindan Fructus. Chuan Lienzi, Tusindan Fructus. This is a seed that I think it comes from a Chinese pagoda tree, but Chuan Lienzi. What we should know about this one is Chuan Lienza regulates liver qi and stops pain. But this is another one that stands out because in regulating liver qi, it's also cold in temperature. So this is especially good for liver qi stagnation with heat. Sometimes the two go together or sometimes the liver qi stagnation, once that qi stagnates, that turns into heat. So Chuan Lienza is a very useful herb to use in that situation, but by regulating liver qi, it also has a specialty of stopping pain, and it's used in heat conditions. Chuan Lienza also has an action of killing parasites. Now remember in Chinese medicine, when we say kill parasites, that can mean two things. That can mean real parasites, like roundworm, pinworm, and tapeworm, or that can mean more like skin infections, like fungal infections, tinea, athlete's foot, jock itch, uh, things like that. 
Chuan Lienza does both. So Chuan Lienza can be used internally for roundworm and tapeworm. And actually here, I think Bensky has a note that Chuan Lienza is not actually good at expelling the parasites. It's just that Chuan Lienza has a good pain-relieving action, and so that's why it's used in these situations, that if you have roundworm, you might have some, or tapeworm, you might have some abdominal pain, so Chuan Lienza isn't actually expelling the parasites. It's just helping with the pain that results from the parasites. However, Chuan Lienza can also be used externally for fungal infections on the scalp. I think the term we use here is Tinea capitis. So a lot of, a lot of times you will I'll use the term tinea and people will ask me, what is tinea? Tinea is a fungal infection. I think the most, the one you're probably most familiar with is athlete's foot. That's tinea pedis. That's tinea on the foot. But turns out you can have tinea in other places as well, like in the groin, in the armpits, or in this case, on the head. So this is good for fungal infections on the head. And that's Chuan Lienza. This one, it's kind of interesting. According to the books, we say Chuan Lienza, you should crush it first. And this one, it's just kind of like, this is very difficult to crush. And so if you have a mortar and pestle, because they're very round, and so they're they're kind of not quite walnut size, but they're they're sizable and they're round. And so when you try to crush them with your mortar and pestle, it's very likely that they'll just slip and pop out. And so... I've never really had much success with crushing these, but honestly, when I usually when I order this herb, it comes like the picture here where it looks like they were sliced in half before they were dried. And so I'm assuming that if they come this way, you don't actually need to crush them, that there was one time when we ordered them and we got them uh, the whole seed as just a round thing, and I think in that situation you would have to crush them, but a lot of times you'll see them come like this already broken in half. And I'm hoping that means that you don't have to crush them because they're really hard to crush. If I did have to crush them, I would probably like put them in a Ziploc bag and hit them with a hammer or hit them with a, a rolling pin or something like that because they're, they're very difficult to crush with a mortar and pestle. Um, but Chuan Lienza, it turns out, also goes by the name Jin Lingza, which means little golden bell or golden bell seed. And so... That just comes up. We do have one formula that um, is called Jin Lingza San. So in that one, you would probably want to remember that uh, Jin Lingza is just another name for Chuan Lienza. And so it's very good for moving liver chi. It's very good for stopping pain, but especially moving liver chi during heat conditions. So that's Chuan Lienza. Next, we have a few herbs that, at least when I was in school, these were not on the syllabus, but maybe that's changed. Maybe you have to learn them, or maybe you don't. But it turns out that these are on the NCCOM herb list. So if you're studying for nationals, you probably want to take a look at these herbs. The first one here is Xie Bai Ali Macrostemi Bulbus. Xie Bai Ali Macrostemi Bulbus. This is Chinese chives or Chinese garlic. So I think what we need to know about Xie Ban is that it unblocks the qi and disperses phlegm, and especially for chest bee due to cold phlegm. Basically, when we get to formulas, we'll learn a formula called Gualo Xie Bai Bai Jiotong, and this is the only formula we learn where Xie Bai is an ingredient, and it turns out that that is a formula for chest B or chest impediment due to qi stagnation and phlegm. So if you remember one thing about Xie Bai, I would remember 
chest bead due to qi stagnation and phlegm. We also say descends qi and reduces stagnation for diary or dysentery with tenesmus due to damp stagnation in the large intestine, kind of similar to what we talked about with mu xiang. But again, for xie bai, if you remember one thing, I would remember chest b. Next is fuo shou citri sarcodactylus fructus. Fuo shou citri sarcodactylus fructus. This one regulates qi and kind of regulates all of the qi. So we say it regulates liver qi for ribside pain and stifling sensation in the chest. It regulates middle jowl qi for epigastric pain, poor appetite, belching, and vomiting. And then it also transforms phlegm and stop cough for enduring cough with copious phlegm. So when we talked about all the systems where we can regulate qi, show kind of covers all of them. I'm just not sure it's especially strong. Um, for example, in transforming phlegm and stopping cough, we say enduring cough that if you had an acute cough with phlegm, show is just not strong enough, so we'd go to other herbs. But if you had an enduring cough, then maybe we can use show. Um But it turns out show. This, this herb does not appear as an ingredient in any of the formulas that we learn. So it might still be nice to know. You might still see it in your clinic. Um, I have a, I had a coworker who used this very often for liver overacting on spleen that basically whenever he made xiao yao san, he would just as a rule add in fuo shou because it's good for liver qi stagnation and middle jiao qi stagnation. But in terms of the formulas that we learn, fuo shou is not really, is not ever an ingredient. The name is kind of interesting. Fuo means Buddha. So this is Buddha's hand. Um, if you look at a picture of this, it's like a lemon with fingers. So it's kind of a, a funny looking lemony thing. But again, it's a, it's a citrus thing. It's very common for citrusy things to regulate qi, like tangerines and bitter oranges and Buddha's hand. So that's fuo shou. And finally, we have Mei Gui Hua, Rosei Rugosai Floss. Mei Gui Hua is rosebud or Chinese rosebud. And this is another one that it regulates liver qi and middle jiao qi, and it's especially good for liver overacting on spleen. So we could say it harmonizes the liver and spleen stomach for a stifling sensation in, in the chest, belching, ribside pain, and poor appetite due to either liver overacting on spleen or liver overacting on stomach. Sometimes when the liver get, gets angry, we say it attacks horizontally. So liver chi stagnation can lead to spleen stomach chi stagnation, and then that chi can start to rebel back upwards. So that's what we're dealing with here. It also gently regulates chi and blood. So for um, irregular menses, uh, like we were talking about breast tenderness due to chi stagnation in the liver channel, very common to happen before a period, and painful menses. So again, Meiguihua, Chinese rosebud. As far as I know, this does not appear in any of the formulas that we learn, but it's something that maybe you'll add it in as a modification. Or I have a friend that she likes to make um, teas for people that there are certain patients that they, they just don't like to take Chinese herbal formulas, that they don't like to cook them for a long time, and it smells bad and tastes even worse. And so sometimes for those patients, she'll make some custom teas and Hua is a very common ingredient that you can just add to a tea. So that's our category of herbs that regulate qi. And what I like to do here is just to introduce a few formulas just to give some context to these herbs. This is not meant to be a formula class, but sometimes when you see these herbs in isolation, it's 
it's hard to get a, a sense of what they actually do. So we'll just introduce a few formulas and talk about how these herbs can be used as ingredients in these formulas and what types of conditions they treat. So our first one here we talked about before is Archentong, two-aged herb decoction. Archentong, two-aged decoction. And this one is for phlegm dampness in the spleen and or lung. So we see things like cough with copious white, easy to expectorate sputum, focal distension and stifling sensation in the chest and diaphragm, palpitation and nausea and vomiting as in rebellious chi. The tongue is going to have a greasy coat. The pulse is going to be slippery because of the phlegm. And so here we, the two main ingredients are two herbs that we've learned in the semester. So ban sha was in the category uh, transform phlegm. It transforms cold phlegm. And then chen pi, aged tangerine peel, is the one that we just learned in this category. So these two herbs are very commonly used together because, remember, both of them have an action of transforming phlegm. Ban sha comes from the transform phlegm category, but chen pi, we also said it, uh, it enters both the lung and the spleen channel and it uh, dries dampness and transforms phlegm. And then remember that both of these also have a downward direction. That ban shao we said is very good for redirecting rebellious stomach chi downward for nausea, vomiting, and morning sickness. Chen pi also has that bitter flavor that it sends things downward. So it's very common to use these two herbs together also for that nausea and vomiting. So here's an example of where we're using chen pi specifically to deal with uh, phlegm damp because it does have that action besides regulating chi it kind of does a lot of good stuff for the spleen another one is chai hu shugansan blue plurum powder to dredge the liver chai hu shugansan dredge so we use the term dredge the liver that's that's kind of the term we use for one of the actions of the liver that it dredges and drains the channels as in opening them up so that the, the free flow of qi can occur. So this one is for liver qi constraint. Here Bensky is using that word constraint, qi yi. So we have flank pain, stifling, stifling sensation in the chest because the liver channel goes to the chest and the rib sides. And we kind of make a note here that usually the way this manifests as in deep sighing or difficulty taking a breath. You usually don't have a patient that comes in and says, Oh, I have a stifling sensation in the chest. Usually what will happen is there's chi stagnating in this area, so it's difficult for them to take a deep breath, or they'll have frequent deep sighing, like they're trying to expand their chest and move chi through the liver channel. Suppressed emotions and feelings of frustration and anger. Again, emotional things can be due to liver chi stagnation. Then abdominal distension and fullness. Pulse is going to be wiry, indicating stagnation. And what's interesting here is the chief herb is actually chai hu. It's, it's, it's not even from this category. If you remember back in the very beginning at, in cool acrid herbs that release the exterior, we learned chai hu, blue pluriradix, that it's good for Shaoyang disorder, but it also has an action of moving liver chi. So it turns out that a lot of our formulas for liver chi stagnation are actually based on chai hu. So that's another one that we've learned that regulates chi. But then notice that we have a, a lot of other of our herbs that we learned here. So jirke, the bitter orange, the, the ripe bitter orange. Xiangfu, Saipiri rhizoma, is especially good for liver chi stagnation. And then we also have chen pi here as well. So remember, jirke, 
it's kind of more of a, a spleen stomach herb, but we remember we said that Jerka has this action of expanding the chest. So that might be why we're using it here for this um, stifling sensation in the chest that we said Jerka has an action of opening the chest. Xiangfu, very good for moving liver chi. It's also neutral in temperature, so we don't a lot of times liver chi stagnation turns into heat, but here chai hu bai shao are cool in temperature. Shang fu is not going to cause those heat signs. Then we add in some chen pi. It's very common, like we said, when the liver chi stagnates, it can attack horizontally and cause stomach problems. So we have things like belching and abdominal distension and fullness. That liver chi has caused some middle jiao chi stagnation as well. So we use some chen pi aged tangerine peel to help with those symptoms as well. So here's an example of regulating qi with these herbs. This is the formula we talked about, Walo Shebai Bajotong. I think this is a very fun one to say. And this is for chest bee or painful obstruction in the chest. So pain in the chest that often radiates to the upper back. We can have wheezing and cough with copious sputum. And so here the two herbs are guolo, trichosanthus fruit. This is an herb that we learned in the phlegm heat category. Guolo, besides transforming phlegm heat, remember it's sweet in flavor. It makes the phlegm thinner and easier to expectorate. But we also said that guolo has an action of unbinding the chest or expanding the chest for chest bee. And that's what we're using it for here in combination with xie bai, which also unblocks, uh, unblocks the qi, transforms phlegm, and is good for chest beat. So as far as I know, this is the only formula where xie bai presents. So again, if you remember one thing about xie bai, I would remember chest bee. Jinlingzasan, Melia Tusindan powder. Uh, this is the one that we said that, remember we said that Chuan Lienza also goes by the name Jinlingza, um, a golden bell seed. And so this is the this is the one time that comes up. We learn one formula called Jinlingzasan, and this is for liver chi constraint transforming into heat. And so that's basically what we said that Chuan Lienza was good for. Chuan Lienza's specialty is that it moves chi, it stops pain, but it's also cold in temperature. So it's good for liver chi transforming into heat. So Intermittent epigastric and hypochondriac pain, hernial pain, or menstrual pain that is aggravated by the that is aggravated by the ingestion of hot food or drink. So we have these; those are liver chi stagnation signs. But we say they're worse when you eat hot things or drink hot things. So that's how we know that it's heat, a heat condition, accompanied by irritability and a bitter taste in the mouth. Again, the liver has to do with anger and irritability. Bitter taste in the mouth is a very Xiaoyang thing. The tongue is red with a yellow coat, red because of heat, yellow coat because of heat. The pulse is wiry, rapid, wiry because of the stagnation, rapid because of the heat. And there we use Chuan Lienza because it moves liver chi, but it's also cold in temperature. So this is the perfect herb for this situation. So that's an example of using Chuan Lienza. Tiantai Wu Yasan, top quality Lindra powder. Tiantai Wu Yasan, this formula has Wu Yao in the name. So Tiantai Wu Yasan is good for Shan disorder or hernia pain due to qi stagnation with cold in the liver channel. So lower abdominal pain radiating the testicles or swollen and distended testicles. Again, the liver channel goes up the leg, it goes to the inguinal area, and we say it wraps around the external genitalia. So if we have cold stagnation in the liver channel, these are some of the symptoms that may present. And kind of the point here is 
Maybe you're not learning formulas yet, but it turns out we have a formula with Wu Yao in the name, and that formula is good for Shan disorder. Probably means it's important to know that Wu Yao is good for Shan disorder. So uh, remember, Wu Yao regulates middle jiao qi, regulates liver qi, and it's especially it's warm in temperature. So it moves qi through the liver channel, but also warms the channel for this Shan disorder due to cold. But then notice we also have some other herbs that we learned here. We um, Mu Xiang we said is uh, it moves qi, but it's also good for stopping pain. Um, so that's maybe why it's here when we said Mushang is, I think of it more of a spleen stomach herb, but this is an example where we might say it's moving liver chi instead. Qing pi is green peel. This is the, the green tangerine peel. So it's green in color. Green is the color of the liver. So it's good for moving liver chi for our Shan disorder. And then Chuan Lianza, again, we said it's good for moving liver chi. And this one, it, it kind of doesn't match the temperature, but I think it's we have enough other warm herbs in here that we're using Chuan Lienza because it's good for moving liver chi and stopping pain. Not necessarily because of its temperature, but because of its pain-relieving quality. So again, these are some situations where we might use herbs that regulate chi, and I kind of just use this to emphasize that Wu Yao is good for Shan disorder or hernia pain. So those are just some formulas. Um, that maybe helps give some context to these herbs. If we want to do a review here, we have um, a list of the herbs. If you're if you have the notes and you print them out, these two slides are I think are on one page. So what I might say is if you're reviewing these, first I would go through and make sure you know which ones are better for middle jiao chi stagnation and which ones are better for liver chi stagnation or which ones are good for both. But first separate it out by which, what type of chi does it regulate. Number two, I might go through and look at which ones are warm in temperature versus cold in temperature. So the majority of these are warm, but we have some that are neutral in temperature, like Xiangfu, and then some that are cold in temperature, like Chuan Lianza. So that might be another important thing to know is separate these out by temperature. And then just start to look at what are their specialties or what other things do they do. So Chen Pi is also good for dampness and phlegm. Um, Jurka opening the chest, Dafu pee makes you pee, and we get to the other ones. Shang Fu, its specialty is in menstruation issues. Mu Shang, especially good for stopping pain. Wu Yao, it's very warm, it's good for Shan disorder. Chen Shang, Tan Shang, I think there's like one formula that where one of these come up, so I just remember it regulates qi and Tan Shang opens the chest. I think we have one formula with Tan Shang in it. Chuan Lienza, definitely remember it regulates qi. Um, it's good for stopping pain and it's cold in temperature. So that those are the kind of things I would look for as you're going through. This is a little bit larger category, so make sure you can separate these by what kind of qi um, they're regulating, what's the temperature, and then either what's their specialty in regulating qi or what other things they would do. So those are the things I would look at when reviewing herbs that regulate qi. So that's our category, herbs that regulate the qi. Thanks for sticking with me on this one. It's kind of a long one. But like we said before, these are videos that kind of go into a lot of detail about each herb. This is really good if you're taking an herbs class and you want to follow along with your weekly lecture. These videos go into a lot of detail. 
if you're reviewing for finals or year ends or your board exams, it could be that you don't want to go into this much detail when you're reviewing a large volume of information. So if you're studying for those big tests, um, you can also take a look at the herb review courses. There's a single herb review course that goes through all of the single herbs and just touches on the main points of each herb. So it's a good way to quickly review. And then there's also a formula review course that goes over all the formulas on the NCCM list. And so that's a good way to review all the formulas. But as we go through each formula, we talk about the single herbs in each formula and the Dwei Yao pairs in each formula. So it's a good way to review formulas, Dwei Yao pairs, and single herbs all at the same time. So if you're studying for finals or year ends or board, should uh, check those out as well. There are links to those below. But thanks for being here. This is a long one. I can tell my voice is getting kind of scratchy. So thank you for being here. We'll see you in the next one, which is herbs that regulate blood. I think starting with herbs that stop bleeding. So thanks for being here. We'll see you in the next one.